Welcome back to Doe, a podcast where we discuss Doe cases from around the world. My name is Kat. And I'm Allison. So today's forensic fact, well, kind of technically two forensic facts, and it's more just, I guess, weird facts. So it's both about the human hands. The first is koalas. So finger their, their fingerprints are almost impossible to differentiate from human fingerprints. Whoa, that's so crazy. So there have been times when, like, koala fingerprints have been mistaken for human. So if koalas start committing crimes, we're pretty much screwed. What if, like, every koala fingerprint matches, like, there's a human match, and that's, like, oh your god. koala match? <laughs> oh my god, we have a koala soulmate. Yeah. It's our, it's our koala doppelganger. Yes, who, like, commits crimes. Koala ganger? I'm trying to make a terrible pun, and I don't really know That's how. actually a pretty good okay, point, koala. <laughs> koala <And> ganger. <laughs> there's just hordes of koala gangs in Australia. Committing crimes, and then the human people getting blamed. I mean, I could see that. If they can move fast enough. If they're not completely stoned on eucalyptus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, the other one is people have reported finding, like, human hands in the woods, basically. And it turns out it's bear paws. What? Yeah. So, like, skeletonized bear paws look just like human hands. That's terrifying. Except for the claws. Is it, like, hands but, like, huge hands? Like, huge? No, they're about the same size, too. That's wild. I know. I And so one of my, my faunal osteology lab, we had a bunch of bones. And so I spent like an hour just putting this bear paw back together. And oh going, my God. I have a picture of it somewhere. I'll I just, show it to you. It's- I just had a thought of a koala murdering a bear. And the police think that it's both humans because it's a human <laughs> hand and a koala fingerprint. But it was an animal on animal crime. <laughs> happen could not happen <laughs> it's a new sitcom yep oh god yeah so anyway those are this this episode's forensic facts and i'm using that term loosely well they're facts and they're kind of related to forensics i guess forensic animal facts it's forensic. <laughs> so we'll start with my case this is oh before i start just a fair warning to allison and listeners this is kind of a difficult case. Oh. It's a child. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, so for anyone who wants to skip this, I don't blame you. Um, we, I know that we do a thing where if we are listening to um, crime podcasts that we both listen to, and we know that they're talking about a child case, we will text the other one and alert them to yeah, say, just- hey... There's here's a fair warning. Yep. So yeah. So this is your warning. Um, the case is the St. Louis Jane Doe, also known as Little Jane Doe or Hope. Mm. So we'll have we have the link in our show notes, obviously. Yeah. And it'll be on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Oh, we have a Twitter. Yes, we we have a Twitter. Okay. Um. So if you wanted to see the case that way. Okay. So on February twenty eighth. 1983, two looters entered an abandoned home at 5635 Clemens Avenue in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm. Inside the basement, one of the looters lit a cigarette, which illuminated the headless body of a girl. (gasps) Oh my god. Naked aside from a yellow sweater. Holy. She was on her stomach with her hands tied behind her back with red and white nylon rope. Oh my if god. If you go to oh. the browser. Yes. 
So that is her sweater. And that's the rope, and that's a picture of how they found her from her hands. Right. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. That is so sad. So when investigators arrived, they assumed she was an adult sex worker. However, they realized she was a child upon moving her body, and she had been raped. Oh, this is a tough one. This is a hard one. Although she had been decapitated, no blood was found at the scene, indicating she had been killed elsewhere. So there was no blood at the scene. Um, Her stomach was empty, meaning she hadn't eaten recently before death. And mold tests conducted by the Missouri Botanical Garden. Turns out if you work at a botanical garden, you might be helping with crime cases, not committing crimes. Oh, maybe that too. I guess. That's interesting that they do the mold test. It's just like, oh, hey, botanical gardens, I know that you're making this beautiful, but can you do this quick thing for us? Thanks. So those mold tests indicated that she had been killed within five days prior to her discovery. And it would have been mold because she's in a basement. Oh, I was wondering how that factored in. Yeah, in Missouri, it's not, like, arid, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's kind of, I'm pretty sure it's kind of like here. Yeah, it's very very humid in Toronto. Yeah, so I think it's like that. Her head was not at the scene, and investigators believed she had been decapitated with a large blade, possibly a carving knife. She was black, approximately 8 to 11 years old, and 4'10 to 5'6, and her skeleton had evidence of spina bifida occulta. I had to look up what that one is. So apparently it's like the most uh, mild form of spina bifida. Okay. So it means it's there's a little bit of opening left, and a lot of people don't even realize they have it. Here's a question from me to you. If it's anything medical, I won't know the answer. I just don't know what spina bifida is. Oh, okay, I do know that one. Um, that's when these um, the vertebrae don't fuse properly. Oh, okay. And in cases, it can like stick out the back. Oh, okay. And it can cause um, paralysis from the waist down. Okay. Yeah, I know a couple people with it, actually. Oh. One person who was paralyzed from the waist down, the one who got surgery when she was born, and wow. so she's able to walk. Uh, but yeah, that's basically... So it's, the mo- it's the most mild form of that. Some people yeah. suffer from back pain from it, but for the most part, doesn't really do anything. But if anyone's missing someone and knows that there's spina bifida occulta, then it might help with her identification. And I was going to ask, I don't know if there's like um, privacy laws that would prevent this, but could they go to the like doctors in the area and say, hey, do you have any mild cases of spina bifida? Like is there some way that they could go to like hospital uh, hospitals and go through records or is that just like way invasion of privacy i honestly don't know and also that would assume that she had had any that's true and also you said that sometimes people don't even know they have it yeah so maybe she didn't even know she had it it's like when i went to the doctor when i got a couple a few years ago now and got an x-ray on my chest and after like hey you have some mild scoliosis oh boy they were very excited i'm like okay that's cool you guys are more excited about this than i am Wow. Yeah, so I didn't I've, know that. I have very mild scoliosis, which explains why when I'm sitting, I sometimes lean, I think. Oh. I, I've noticed I do that, but yeah. Anyway, um, she had two coats of red nail polish on her fingernails. Mm. Uh, so fingerprints, footprints, and DNA was collected. Uh, but after 10 months with no leads, she was buried at Washington Park Cemetery on December 2nd, 1983. For reasons unknown, her sweater was sent to a psychic in Florida. And was never returned. Oh my god. Oh my god. The thing I saw said that it was lost in the mail, but maybe the person just didn't return it. 
Or just maybe, like, don't send sensitive evidence to a psychic. That's that's something that I would do. Like, just leave evidence where it's supposed to stay. Don't, oh, yeah. And I assume they sent it through the mail, which is even crazier to me. So, yeah. Luckily, they have pictures of it, but they can't use, like, modern forensic techniques to reanalyze the sweater. Oh, that's so frustrating. I was so mad when I saw that. What was going on in the 80s? That is so frustrating. Anyway, uh, in 2013, her body was exhumed in mid-June. Because the remains had been misplaced due to shoddy cemetery records, which I have experience with because my field school, they we had to remap that entire cemetery. Oh, my gosh. It was a mess. Um, so investigators had to use camera calibration techniques to find where she had been buried. So basically, they had a photo of the casket from when mm-hmm. it was buried. And they had to use that and figure out where it fit in at the cemetery. And that's how they were able to find her. So isotope tests were done, which concluded that she likely lived her entire life in either Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, or one of the Carolinas. That is a wide so that, range. So that section, that's the southwestern section. Just like a huge chunk of the states. But on the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children... They list the results as Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Indiana, or West Virginia. So basically anywhere so she in was the somewhere states. in the states. Or western. Because we went from southwestern to like Midwest and then Somewhere in the United States. So somewhere states. in the states she lived. Other than probably not Hawaii. Yeah, so or somewhere Alaska. mainland states, basically. Wow. Is what they concluded. So I'm like, mm. uh, her body now rests at Calvary Cemetery in the Garden of Innocence. An area of the cemetery dedicated to does. Oh. So, four missing girls have been ruled out as the victim. I don't have the names, obviously. Um, as well as the Northampton County Jane Doe, um, which there was a thought that maybe... So, um, Northampton might do a case on her. I have to see how much detail. But basically, um, partial skeletal remains were found. So, like a head and a bit of postcranium, and they thought maybe it was her. But with the postcranium, I'm like, she had her full body. It was just her head was missing. So, right. Hey, here's a question. Since they don't have her head, I'm assuming there's no reconstruction. They can't do oh, any. Oh boy. They can't check dental records. They can't do oh, any. And dental records are so important. And that's the best source of DNA. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's tough. Um, but the Northampton County Jane Doe has been um, excluded because it's not her. It's possible she was a victim of serial killer Vernon Brown. Hmm. He had been convicted for the murder of 9-year-old Janet Perkins on October 24, 1986, and 19-year-old Sinetta Ford in March of 1985. He'd also been convicted for the sexual assault of a 12-year-old in the 70s, for which he spent four years in that's prison. That's it? That's it. Wow. Four years. And as we know from like every single serial case ever, they're going to be repeat offenders. Yeah. If you're sexually assaulting a 12-year-old, you're going to do it again. Oh, boy. And you're going to escalate. Yeah. It's just... Yikes. In 1987, he was charged with the murder of nine-year-old Kimberly Campbell, who had been bound, beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled in 1980. However, he wasn't convicted of it. He was also charged and not convicted uh, with the molestation of an 11-year-old boy and three girls aged 2, 7, and 9. He's also a, spe- a suspect in the murder of 15-year-old Tracy Poindexter in April of 1985, as well as a third local homicide from August of that year, but I don't know the victim name. Um, Brown denied any involvement in 
Little Jane Doe's murder, and he was executed in 2005. Okay, a couple thoughts here. Mm -hmm. That is a long list. That is so sad. And if they just kept him in jail, none of that would have happened. And B, I'm very surprised that he didn't take credit for it because that seems to be like a trend that people take credit for stuff that they didn't do. And also he's got nothing to lose at this point. He's already on death row. Yeah. Like unless he was trying, unless there was an idea of a deal to get off death row if he admits, but I didn't see anything about that. Right. And so usually, like, I but find this, with Doe cases, there's at least some somebody like that Henry guy. Ugh, Henry that Lucas. is just I'm gonna. Say but that also everything. depends on the person. Not That's all of them true. are the same. That's true. That guy, and probably, he also yeah. like didn't confess to um, Tracy Poindexter or Kimberly Campbell or any of those. Oh, and judging by his modus operandi, I think it was him. I think it's very likely it's that it was very, him. It's very, very, very likely. I think so too. Yeah. So that is the case of the St. Louis Jane Doe um, slash little Jane Doe slash Hope. So I hope this case gets solved someday. I know. It's just, it's just. There's so little to go on. And also, it always surprises me when like a child goes unclaimed. And nobody is like, hey. Yeah. Like I know it could be like an abusive situation or something, but it's just. It's heartbreaking. There wasn't, they didn't find anything wrong with their skeleton or anything. So there was no like indications of long-term abuse or something. Because usually right. there'd be like healed ribs or whatever. And she's a little too young for someone to be like, oh, well, she just ran away, whatever. Oh, but we, we've seen people still pull the runaway oh, thing with yeah, like 11-year-olds. <sighs> so yeah, that's the case. I had never heard of this one. No, I've never heard of this one either. Because I was looking for cases, because we were talking about how hard it is to find cases that aren't, like, just white people. Yes. So I was, like, looking for cases that weren't just white people, and I found this one, and I'm like, how is this not, like, how have I never heard of this one? It's so heinous. Yeah. And, like, in doing Doe research, I've looked on tons and tons of sites, and I have never heard of this one before. Yeah, I literally went onto Wikipedia, and I've just found the, there's um, one page that's, unidentified murders i think and murder victims yes and i went through every single state oh and i found this one under missouri and then there's also one of unknown decedents in the states i have looked at that list yeah yeah so there's that one that one and then i'm going to see if i can find ones for other countries anything from basically that's anything that's not britain australia or north america it's kind of hard to come by yeah i haven't looked yet i'm still i'm still waiting through all those pages from the rcmp website oh my gosh, there's, there's so, so many. many you should see our spreadsheet there's a lot there's over 600 cases of unidentified remains in canada and we're gonna get through all of them we're gonna get through all of them it'll be it just depends if it's going to be cases that have a lot of detail or if it'll be one of our special episodes where we just kind of go over a bunch of cases that we have very little to go on yeah we are going to talk about a case called The Nude in the Nettles, which is the first case in the UK to use a waxwork model of a doe. So is that like the facial thing? Yeah, it's like a, oh, okay. I guess oh. like clay, like a reconstruction oh, of the face. Is it put on a corpse or like a death mask or is it just like the... No, it's just like, oh, um, okay. like a... They recreate their face based on... Certain... Yeah, so like the facial reconstruction just with wax instead of clay? I could see it being wax. I mean, look at like Madame Tussauds. Yes, and this one definitely looks like a Madame Tussauds. Yes. So Okay. Anyways, this is the nude in the nettles. A female was found under a nettle bush on Friday, August 28th, 1981, near Sutton Bank in North Yorkshire. 
and she was not found because someone was walking around and found her. Well, that might have happened, but really what started this whole ball rolling was uh, somebody called the Ripon, Ripon, R-I-P-O-N. I'm going to say Ripon. Somebody called the police. Any UK people, please correct us. Yeah, I usually try and, like, do the little phonetic, like, little (gasps) automated person, but I didn't find one for that. Oh, well, that's rude. Yeah. Um, So, someone called the police about this case. Um, C. John Jeffries got the call at 8 a.m. that day, uh, and he said that the man had a slight local accent and was well-spoken, the exact wording, this mystery man who called the police about this dead body. Uh, Their exact wording was, Near Scotton Moor House... You will find a decomposed body among the willow herbs. Okay, there's Shakespeare calm right? down. Right? Um, and then he gave a map grid reference for the location of the body. Um. So this call lasted less than a minute, and the caller hung up. He wouldn't give his name or address for reasons of national security. The caller has never been identified. Reasons of national security, my ass. That is my exact thought, too. <laughs> Uh, so the actual location was on an unclassified road between Sutton Bank and Scotton, near the junction with the A170 Thrisk to Scarborough Road. None of that makes any sense to me. I'm assuming that meant at a junction of two roads that had names. <laughs> yes. And I tried to, like, street view this, and I it placed me in a beautiful-looking UK, like, suburb-type neighborhood. But So I... I got nothing. And I'm going to say unclassified is like, like our dirt roads here. I guess so. Like Just a like farm a, road? Yeah, like a okay. road with no name, basically, it sounds like. Um, it's thought that she had laid there undisturbed for at least two years. Gross dead body warning, because I'm going to ex- describe something that's very gross. So the amount of decomp was that the body was stuck to the ground because of the sticky fluid from the body. Okay, wait. So they're saying... She has been there two years, and yes. yet she's still fleshed. I guess so. That doesn't really make sense. It doesn't, does it? No. Yeah, that was from one source. Okay, I think so, they're wrong. That source may be wrong. As I was writing it, I was like, I've learned enough doing this podcast that I know <laughs> that skeletons are not gooey. Right? Yeah, it's like, Generally? And, and, yeah, I... Even with, um, like, different factors influencing decomposition, it makes no sense that she would still be in, like, the putrefaction stage. Like, that makes no sense. So, we will get to... Okay. there. There's another theory that actually may go with that. Mm, okay. Um, but, anyways, the cause of death was pretty open-ended. The skull wasn't damaged. There, was no, there were no nick wounds on the bones, like she was stabbed. Okay. And the larynx was removed by animals, so they couldn't determine if she was strangled or not. Okay, again, if there was scavenging, she, she would was, be a skeleton after exactly. two years. Exactly, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I can see that I've hit a nerve here. You've hit a nerve. <laughs> I'm so, just mad at whoever's the two years. <laughs> so, let's just, uh, or... The skeleton people are wrong. The gooey people are wrong. Okay. If someone just, like, started the podcast from here, they would be really concerned. <laughs> We're the gooey people. <laughs> We're the gooey people. So the village constable went to the location but couldn't find the body, but he searched some more and found human bones under a bed of Rose Bay Willow, which is known in North America as fireweed. I've seen it described as a place where passerby wouldn't really find it, but I've also seen it described as... 
likely someone would have discovered the body because it was close to an old truck pull-in where it was kind of like a make-out point I was going to say, as soon as I hear, like, old truck thing, I'm like, people are making out there. Yeah, so people were getting it on close to this body, probably. Okay, so it's a place that nobody goes, but people go. Generally, yes. Okay. Yeah. She was between 5'2 and 5'4. She was between 35 and 40. She had dark brown hair and a page boy haircut, because remember, this is 1979, 81. Oh, okay, so was still there. Yeah. Uh, she had pale pink nail polish on toenails, and I think they found out the actual brand, and it was, like, Max Factor or something, which is okay. really specific. I don't know how they figured that out. I just picture someone at the morgue being like, oh, we're wearing the same nail polish. They probably could have done, like, a chemical analysis on um, it. No, I'm just stuck on, okay, so she must have had some, either some flesh left that kept her toenails there, or her nails were just on the ground. That's, that happens. Terrifying. Yeah. I know, it's a, it's deeply upsetting. That is deeply upsetting. Nails deeply upset me. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Okay, well, talking about her feet, she was a size 4 UK shoe, which is actually a size 6 US. All, so it's like your feet. All of the does I have found have had very small feet. What is with you and the little feet? <laughs> what is with small-feeted people being does? Well, you know, you just keep finding them. All oh. mine have, like, my size feet and bigger. Um, so she had given birth multiple times. She had no wedding ring, but they think she was married. I don't know why they would assume that. I don't know if it's 70s cops being like, well, she had kids, so she was married. I'm gonna go with that. Probably, right? people seem to think that, like, single mothers is a new phenomenon. They even don't though, exist. Even though my family tree back to, like, the 1600s proves otherwise. Well, if people are having children, I'm assuming at least some of those people are gonna be single mothers. Yeah, because that's kind of a thing. And it always has been. Okay, so they have no reason to believe that she was married. I could find no reason other than they said that they thought that she was married. Like, there's no reason. Yeah, that's just straight up going, of course, she has children, she must be married. Um, And so she had no wedding ring or any other jewelry or clothing. Um, Apparently she had a neck vertebrae abnormality, which caused a bad back. She had a displaced septum and an old ankle fracture. And all of her upper teeth were missing. And she only had six of her lower teeth. But she did have an upper dental plate. Oh, okay. Which I'm assuming is, like, dentures? Yeah, 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 it is. So she had heavy staining on her teeth, and it looked like she smoked and drank heavily. And more than one article says that the stains means that she did not pay much attention to herself in life. I think that is assuming a lot and is kind of classist. Uh, that's assuming a lot. Because just maybe she didn't have the money to get her teeth whitened. Yeah, maybe she and also- the money. For dental work, and that's why she had the, like, the upper dentures. And also, a lot of people have stained teeth from smoking and drinking and drinking coffee. Like, that has absolutely no indication. Yeah, so... That's just silly. Yeah, it's another thing where it's like, oh, you're assuming a lot based on this one thing. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Um, So they did bone analysis uh, that showed that up until seven, she lived somewhere with high levels of fluoride in the water. And two local areas that could um, match up with that description are Hartlepool and Grimsby. I'm assuming that's, like, isotope analysis that they would yeah, be doing then. Yeah. Okay. They think the body was there for up to two years because a lid from a tin of meat paste was found underneath the body. And it was found to be sold on October 6, 1979. 
So maybe there was like a sticker or something on it that told them that info? I'm I'm still stuck on the term meat paste. Oh, it gets worse. No, it can't get worse than meat paste. <laughs> uh, I've seen it described some places, specifically the North York's Enquirer, called it yogurt. So I really hope that it that meat oh. yogurt is not a thing. It's so gross. I think I need a moment. I know, it's so gross. Okay. Okay, just sip my mocha. My oh. my notes on this is meat yogurt should not exist. <laughs> if it does, please make it not. Yep. Okay, so yeah. Uh, so, hmm, yeah. Yeah, because they could have looked at... Yeah, if there was a sticker on it. If there was like a best before, maybe. Or, or a, a sell-by date. A sell-by like date that. or like, um, not tinned by, but you know, like packaged Yeah, packaged on... on. Or something like something. that. Because that's really specific. It, it is really like specific. October 6, 1979. It's, yeah, so it's got to be yeah, one of those things. And I feel like I should mention that this one article that I keep referencing uh, from the North York's Inquirer, uh, they have a theory that maybe that was placed there as a decoy so that the police or whoever would think that the body was yeah, yeah, that, placed there. That is... It seems like, like a lot of work, that could but happen. if you're trying to make yourself not go to jail because you killed this person, you could potentially go to that amount of work yeah. to save the tin and place it under the body. Yeah, I won't say it's, like, the worst theory ever. Nope. Oh, and they also used plant growth to determine that she died in 1979, so okay. I guess there were, like, two seasons of plant growth, but not underneath her body. Oh, I love when they do stuff like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and also apparently in 1979, a jockey from a nearby stable smelled the decomp. So yeah. I think all of those things together, it's like, this was a 1979 murder. Okay, then yeah. And, sorry, what was the meat paste from again? Uh, the meat paste was October, October 6th. 1979? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna say death for sure then. Yeah. 1979. Uh, they did a wider investigation and discovered a black evening gown and underwear hanging from a tree a mile from the body, which is 1.6 kilometers. Uh, they couldn't say definitively that it was the doe's clothes and nobody came forward to claim them. I understand that because that's a little embarrassing to be like, oh, that's my underwear hanging from that tree. I'll just take that back. Thanks. Yeah, it's like, you know what? I had a really fun night. Um, I really like that dress. I'm going to take it back. Also, if it's not related... What a weird thing to find in the woods. <laughs> yeah, just like, it sounds like it was a pretty classy evening gown. But my thought is, if it was the does, that would mean that it has, like, I would like to know the amount of dirt on it. Because if it was the does, that would mean that it had hung there for, like, two years. Yeah, and there would have been probably sun bleaching and stuff. Yeah, so it, it doesn't give a description of, like... I want to know more about this dress. And also, like, did they test it for DNA? Probably not, because it was 1979. All right. So did they recently test it for DNA? I would assume because that they probably do not have it anymore. I would assume that it's probably um, been lost to the sands of time. I mean, judging by half the cases we right? see. Yeah. So I think that's probably what happened. God, that's so, that's a weird thing to find in the woods. It is. A black evening gown. An underwear. Hanging from a tree. Yeah. Uh, so they think it's a homicide and obviously the person who called is a suspect. Uh, yeah. So it, to me, it seems like either the caller knew something about it but didn't want to get involved or it was a classic murderer toying with the cops situation yeah or someone just happened to see it and didn't want to get involved yeah well yeah national security who's gonna argue with that right <laughs> that's such a weird one it is police thought that maybe she was an inmate that escaped from ashcam grange open prison which is exactly what it sounds like 
like what you think an open prison is, that's what it is. So a field? It's basically a place where they can go and do tasks, but they're free to wander. In the jail or outside of the jail? It sounded like there were like no boundaries, like there was no fence. They could just like free range prisoners, basically. (laughs) I'm I'm just picturing a field. (laughs) I'm just picturing a field too. Yeah, okay. So the inmate that they thought it was actually responded to a request to prove that she was still alive. She sent two thumbprints and a signature on a blank sheet of paper. Okay, that's fair. I think that's actually really awesome of this inmate because she could have easily, like, made them think that she was dead and she could have gone and lived her life. But she actually... Well, was she still in jail? No, she had, like, escaped. Oh, she had escaped? Yeah, she escaped the open prison. I mean, that doesn't seem very hard. It seems like both of us could probably escape an open prison. Yeah, and it's us. Yeah. (laughs) So... That is pretty awesome. Maybe they made a promise of, like, if you're still alive and give us evidence of it, we won't come after you. Yeah. Because they just wanted, like, something like that. Yeah, because she could have very easily, so I think that's, like, upstanding that she tried to help the case out. And I couldn't find any info on if they ever found her or what happened to this inmate. And Chris Clark, a former Norfolk police officer, thinks the woman may have been killed by Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, I knew I knew that name. Yeah, he was convicted in 1981 of murdering 13 women and attempting to murder seven others between 1975 and 1980. Okay. And so the timeline fits, basically. This was, like, the height of his... Spree? Yeah. Well, I guess not spree. His, like, serial killer thing that he was doing. I don't even know what to... I feel like there's a term and I'm just... There's definitely a term and I'm just blanking on what the term is. We will, at a later date, just put in really obviously, (laughs) like, you saying the term. We'll get my dad to say it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, so, uh, he said that he heard the voice of God who told him that his mission was to kill sex workers. For the love of God. And there's been speculation that this doe was a sex worker. Well, I was kind of thinking, and honestly, they're having a lot of children and, like, the missing teeth kind of thing and heavy smoking drinking. And the fact that nobody from the area really knew her. Maybe she was a little transient and not, like, yeah. from the area. Just based on that, it, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Um, so at the time, Sutcliffe was a truck driver and his roots placed him in the general area. It's not really his M.O., like, this case doesn't really fit his modus operandi, but he also changed his M.O. all the time. Okay, then he doesn't have one, so... Exactly, so it can't really fit if you don't have one. Yeah. And also, apparently, in one case, he slipped a newspaper with a date underneath the body, which sounds like our yogurt meat paste can lid. Yeah. Oh, that's creepy. So he probably, I think he's I am leaning toward him. Yep. In 2012, uh, her body was exhumed for DNA, and five families who thought they could be related to her were tested, but there was never a match. Um, There are four other potential women who this doe could be, but because the people who reported these matches, or possible matches, weren't family members, they couldn't test for DNA. Okay, yeah, because they don't have the DNA to test. Exactly. Um, And in 2013, her DNA was added to the national database, and the body is now buried in Malton in an unmarked grave. Oh, do you have pictures? I do have pictures. So this is the waxwork model. Oh my god, it looks like a person. Medical students made this waxwork in November 1981, and it's honestly one of the better models, I guess, that I've seen. Yeah, it looks like a person. It looks like a person, and she's got kind of like an expression, but not an expression. Yeah, it's like... 
neutral, but, like... Still a human expression. Like, living? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she doesn't... She Okay, she kind of looks a little dead behind the eyes, but... But they're also, like, glass or plastic. Yeah, they've still, like, given her, like... I don't know, I just think that they did a really good job. Like, I could see her just, like, walking down the street. Yeah, and, yeah, she looks like a person. And then this is a photo of where they found her. And the guys in this photo are doing... Um, I think the caption said it was a finger search of the area. Okay, so that would be, like, hands and knees. Yeah, just trying it to go over. It takes forever. Oh, God. It's very hard on the knees. I can, but it's very thorough. I can only imagine. I am just really impressed that they were doing that. Like, that they were being so thorough. Yeah, they were being super-duper thorough about it. Especially in a lot of old cases, you hear, like, like just trampling through and everything, so. Yeah, so they, like, it sounds like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, so... That's impressive. Yes. I think they're wearing gloves. Yeah, it looks like they are. That's even better. And then this one guy that's like, yeah, you guys are doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> the one making sure everyone stays, like, together in a line and aren't straying and everything. Because if you don't do that, then everyone kind of does their own thing. I can see how that works. Because it's hard happen. to keep pace with everyone else when you're so focused. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's this case. It's a really interesting case. I've definitely heard the name of it, but I had no idea the case itself. Yeah, and initially when I, like, started this case, I thought that I wasn't going to find that much, and then it was just one of those cases where or it's, like, you just kind of do your thing, and all of a sudden I've got, like, two pages on it. Yeah, where it's, like, you have three sentences, you think it's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, bam! Exactly. There's so much. There's meat paste tubes. There's Ugh. dresses and trees. <laughs> I'll never, nope. I'm never gonna recover from that. <laughs> Meat paste in a tube. Was it a tube or a can? Um, I think, let me see. Uh, 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 this is very important. It is. I need to know. A tin of meat paste. Sorry, I just assumed that it was like a go-gurt tube. <laughs> oh no. It's <laughs> even worse. Yeah. All right, I am going to move on to... Oh, just give me a sec. I didn't yep. have this ready yet. No worries. Okay, this is a fairly new case. So I got as much information about it as I could, but it's one that I haven't heard anything about, so I thought it was a pretty important thing to talk about. So there are different stories on how these remains were found, so I've chosen the one that makes the most sense to me. Fair enough. On April 25th, 2018, a construction crew discovered human remains in a crawl space under an apartment building in the 100 block of Wayne Place, southeast Washington, D.C. Wow. So, just a quick note here. From what I could see from the map is, like, it's Washington, um, but there's, like, southeast Washington, southwest Washington, but they just refer to it as, like, southeast and southwest. Okay. On April 28th, two more sets of remains were found nearby in a shallow grave, and I think they were also in the crawl space. Uh Uh-oh. So we've got three bodies. Investigators determined that the remains belonged to three women of approximately 30 to 45 years old. After finding missing persons reports that fit that profile, they collected DNA samples from eight families and were able to then identify the women as 48-year-old Jewel Marquita King from Southwest, 41-year-old Verdell Jefferson from Southeast, and 43-year-old Dorothy Jean Butts, also from Southeast. Jewel, a mother of three daughters, was last seen on Friday, April 7th, 2006, on Galveston Street in Southwest D.C. She was reported missing six days later, on Thursday, April 13th, by her mother, who for years after would drive up and down Wayne Place looking for her. that's so sad. 
And unfortunately, she passed away before her daughter was identified. Oh, that's double sad. That's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, and I have um, a bit to read from my article, like, at the end of this, uh, from Jewel's niece. Okay. Okay, so Verdell, a mother of one son, was reported missing on Tuesday, August 1st, 2006, also by her mother. And Dorothy, also a mother of one son, was last seen on Christmas of 2006 and was soon reported missing by her sister. Jewel and Dorothy were determined to have died from gunshot wounds while Verdell was killed by blunt force trauma. I'm assuming to her skull. They didn't say where, but that's generally where it is. Right. All three women lived in fairly close proximity to where their bodies were found, and Verdell actually lived in the 100 block of Wayne Place. Oh, wow. So I'm not sure if, like, 100 block refers to, like, a block of buildings, or... I think how it goes is each block is a number, so, like, one block is, like, 131, 132, blah, blah, blah. And then the next, like, when you cross the street, it goes into the 200s. Okay, that would make sense. That's kind of like how townhouses in Toronto are Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Okay, so she lived there. Um, Metropolitan Police Department Chief Peter Newsham stated that police are not ruling out the possibility of a serial killer since all three women were of similar age and ethnicity, uh, and they were all found together. I think I forgot to say they were all black. I think you did forget to say that. I did forget to say it. Okay. Um, Jewel and Verdell were buried together with, quote, not enough dirt between the bodies that would indicate they were put in there at separate times. Oh, But as of August, so 2018, police are still working on finding suspects. So this is a very fresh case. Yeah, it is. And I do have pictures, and they're on my phone because I was being lazy. So this is them. Oh. This, it kind of bothers me because these are clearly mugshots. Yeah, they definitely could have found more flattering photos. Well, it's not that. It's just I don't really like when police put out photos of identified victims and it's their mugshots. Like, I understand that those are probably the easiest to get. It's just... It's also probably easy to get, like, driver's license photos. But also here, like, this is a photo that Oh, I think... she's so sweet! So she's... this is Jewel. Oh, she's having such a good time. And I think this was provided by her niece, probably. Yeah. Um, and I also have... Okay, so this is also, again, the mugshot photos, but it has, like, who's who. So mm-hmm. this one's Dorothy, and this mm-hmm. is a photo from the year she went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jewel, this photo was taken a year before she went missing. Okay. And then Verdell, um, again, a year before she went missing. Fox 5? I don't know if that's a channel or what. Uh, it's Fox? probably, like, the local okay. channel. Oh, that makes sense. Um, did an interview with... Um, Erica King, who's Jewel King's niece. So just wanted to read this quote. We just thought she went somewhere, got her life together, and was going to return one day. So to be dead? No, we never thought she was dead. Not one time until we heard that it was women bones found in Wayne Place that opened us up to feel that it may be her. If you ask me to answer that question, I never thought my aunt was dead. I believe that she was going to return one day. Yeah, because it was one of those situations where she was having, like, um, issues that they didn't really talk about what. Yeah. And so they just thought, well, maybe she's gone off. She's just she's gone. She's sort herself out yeah. or she's gone off, like, she's living a new life somewhere. It's just trying to get back. out of the situation that she yeah, was in to and, get her life back on. Yeah, and that's not what happened. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah. So that is the, well, currently open case because it was only in August. That's not even so, like a year ago. No, so like a few months ago. Wow. that 
they've identified them. So hopefully they'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. Like it's clearly, it's definitely the same person or people who killed them all. It's horrifying just having like this stash. And it's clearly somebody who has access to that building. Yeah. Which you would think narrows it down enough that... You would think... it Like, I guess it depends if there's a broken door or if it's a building where mm. it's easy to get into kind of thing, mm. but... Or maybe it was, like, someone who used to live there and still has oh, the key. Or, like, someone who used to work there, mm-hmm. like, the maintenance or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's clearly someone who's familiar and comfortable with that specific building. Right. So, yeah, hopefully that narrows down where they can get security footage or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I think right now they're just kind of looking for witnesses. Because, um, other than the fact that they were all like um black women in their 40s and living in the area there's absolutely there's no connection between any of them right so yeah that seems like a serial killer thing too yeah it definitely does you have a type that you go after yeah and it sounds like um at least jewel she was probably in a very um, vulnerable yeah vulnerable position and i would assume like i would assume like based on the fact that they have mug shots of all three that they were all all possibly vulnerable stuff yeah well, so, I hope we have an update to that. Yeah, and soon. hopefully there aren't more, vic- oh, more victims. I really hope so too. I hope yeah. the guy got like booked or something and is in it, rotting hopefully, in jail. Can only hope or died or something, and he's not doing it anymore. <clears throat> yeah, so because it was two thousand and six, right? That there may that they went missing. Oh, that they went missing. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So there's a good stretch of time because I imagine they probably were killed pretty soon after. That is the current. The very recently identified case of Jewel King, Verdell Jefferson, and Dorothy Butts. And hopefully we will have updates soon. Hopefully they catch who did this. And we'll obviously, we will put police contacts in oh, our yeah, show notes yeah. and have, stuff like that. Have we mentioned that before? Like I just, feel like we mentioned it, but I feel like we don't have like a time in the episode where we talk about it. We just yeah, kind of so, mention it whenever. So just a reminder, we post um, pictures... From the episode on our Instagram, which is Joe Podcast. I don't know if we put the contact information on Instagram or is it the just contact Facebook? information is in the show notes. Okay, so contact information is in show notes, and everything is cross posted to our Facebook, which is also Joe Podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that does it for this episode. Yeah. So check us out and give us a review if you like us. And if you have any suggestions for cases, that would be really great yeah hit us up with case suggestions because we're, we're pretty set for like a list of all the like we're covered for all the ones listed on the rcmp website we're good but if but, you have like a really interesting case that hasn't been covered or anything from outside of Can- north yeah. america would be fantastic that would be amazing because it is so hard to find it is actually really hard to find we'll eventually have a sign off see bye. you later bye